This is Everyday Photography Every Day, where you get to listen in on a chat between a photographer, that's me, and a regular human. That's me. With an eye on making your pictures amazing. No technical stuff, no talk of gear or software, just photography for the love of it. I'm Suzanne Fritz Hansen, enthusiastic iPhone picture taker. And I'm Michael Rubin, photographer, founder of Neo Modern, and Grumpy Old Man, and we're in San Francisco tonight. Welcome. Hey, Ruben. Hey, Suzanne. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm fine. It's finally summer and it's nice here. Um, yeah. Do you I, nice? You, you mean like sweltering hot? Like no, unbearably well, warm? I, I feel guilty because <laughs> everybody else is swelt. Like things are melting off of, you know, runways and trees and stuff. Yes. And it's actually really quite nice in Santa Fe, you know. Oh. Well. Uh, maybe it won't last, uh, you know, knock on wood, but it is very beautiful, balmy, and uh, afternoon rain short storms and, you know, monsoon season. It sounds actually quite nice, but I've heard the monsoons in Santa Fe are like literally 10 minutes of rain. It's not oh. like, it's not a normal oh. monsoon. It's not like all day rain. It's just a few minutes, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, we totally appreciate it like it was an all day thing. <laughs> I mean, we are, we are in the desert after all. So it's nice to have. <laughs> Take you know, what you can. Yeah. Monsoon it, it is. <laughs> you know, maybe we're exaggerating slightly, but it's it's definitely raining. Okay. So that's good. Um, what else is happening? I'm getting ready. So I'm doing my workshop, my in-person workshops, um, August 8th. So that's coming up and I think it's full. I'm not sure. I think maybe there might be one more spot, but always happy that that thing fills up and actually the in-person one, I'm always happy. Nothing. Uh, I've never done that. So I'm thrilled that it filled up. <laughs> oh, wow. So you are going from URL to IRL. How does it feel? Oh, my God. Is that a T-shirt? Do we have a new T-shirt? I don't know. It might be, might be another T-shirt. <laughs> I like that one. Um, yeah, the real life one. I'm more nervous because the the Zoom one, while it's limited because you don't get to you know take pictures and look at what they're doing so dynamically, the in real life one, that's like, a, that's like 60 hours. Like that's all day, every day, sitting there yeah. working on stuff. Um, so this is another Santa Fe workshop. And is this, I know uh, for our guests today too, are, you're doing like a collaboration or something with our with our guests that we have later today. Is this also part of the Santa Fe workshops or is that separate? Totally separate. And and I can, I can sort of build up to that, which was that like maybe, a, I don't know, the, the workshop has been going great. And a couple months ago, um, I got invited to participate in this sort of a new virtual uh, photo fair. Which I've I hadn't done anything like that, but it was from an established organization that I'd heard of called Photo Independent, okay. and so you know that was it was interesting. And actually, I met this woman on Clubhouse who I'd worked with years ago, uh, Deborah Weiss, who um, really supported me sort of participating in this. And I have to say, I gave her kind of carte blanche to select photos of my work and to sequence them. And these are two things that, as a photographer. You don't always do. I mean, I've had people tell me before that, you know, you're a good photographer, but I don't think you know which of your pictures are the great pictures. Mm -hmm. So it was fascinating to see a professional do this. And it was amazing. So I so I joined this photo independent virtual show and Deborah took a heavy hand at cutting and arranging the, the images. And it was like I'd saw the pictures for the first time. Like I had, I I mean, I make a big deal how the fo photographs need to stand alone, that they aren't part of a series. I'm not working on a, a body of work in that sense. Right. That I Like here are all my pictures of gas stations or something like that. And yet to have someone go through 20 years of work and put them in a certain order and they mean things in by the juxtaposition, 
is yeah. a really great process. I recommend it to anybody. Does um, it feel like you got a makeover? Does it feel yes, like you went on one of those shows and they kind of gave you a makeover? You saw yourself with new eyes? It is. I look hot. <laughs> I look really hot. So, so anyway, Deborah introduced me to the, the guy who runs this organization, uh, Chris Davies, who has been doing it for uh, more than a decade and done lots of stuff. And so I asked if you would join us. Uh, there's only an, another week of the of the independent of the photo independent virtual fair, but I hope people get on and look at mine. And and it's actually an international group of really awesome photographers. So I'm I'm honored to be in that group. It's always fun to see other photographers work because it's so different. You know, it's like everybody. Yeah. It's you seem you think you'd run out of content or style or something, and then you see. 60 odd international photographers doing like uh, different things, you know? With is everyone's work sort of rearranged by, um, you know what? I don't know, voice, but let's, or is it? I, I don't know. Let's bring Chris in and uh, ask him some Great. of the hard questions because I'm a novice <laughs> at this. So, Chris, I wanted to introduce you to Suzanne, Suzanne, Chris Davies. Hi, Chris. Nice to Hi. meet you. Hi, Suzanne. Nice to meet you as well. Thank you. Wow. Well, thanks for, for joining us. Um, so did I get that right? Like 10 years you've been doing photo independent, something like that? Yeah, we started in 2014 as an as an IRL, um, <laughs> taking note from you, Suzanne, um, uh, show. We actually started at the same time as when, excuse me, as when Paris Photo came out to Los Angeles, if you can recall that time frame. Um, and they were doing their show at, at uh, Paramount Studios, so I decided to create a satellite event um, and do something to support photographers uh, to have them showcase their work. So we set up Photo Independent at, at Raleigh Studios, which is across the across street from street. Paramount. That's so funny. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, on Melrose there. And so we took over two big stages on the lot and it was amazing. I mean, we had like, a mile or two of cars lining up to get into the show on opening night. Wow. And wow. It, we basically, you know, closed off Melrose for a period of time there. And, um, and it was really great to see that the support for, uh, for, for photographers who don't normally have the ability to showcase in an environment like this on this kind of professional level, such as Paris photo. What does that mean? So Paris photo is not photographer focused as much. Like how, how do they differ? What does that mean? Oh, well, no, they are. It's it's a photo fair, but they are a gallery-based fair. So only people who are a part of a gallery or if a gallery selects their work to be shown during Paris Photo, then they're the only ones that can be shown there. So it's it's like most art fairs in the world. I would say 90 and 95% of the art fairs in the world are based on gallery participation as opposed to artist participation. And, and does the public respond to that? Are they cool to like seeing the photographer in a booth as opposed to a gallery that's, I don't know, vetted them in a different way or in a way you're being the gallery, you're, you're doing the vetting before they show up in front of the public, but you don't. For the most part. Yes. Yeah. 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 So we, we curate the, the, uh, the art fair, the photo fair and, um and select, you know, a diverse group of photographers, kind of like what we're doing now with the virtual edition. Um, and, and, um, and we had literally, I think it was 120 photographers from all over the world that participated from all the way from Australia to Europe, South America, Asia, um, obviously the majority from the United States. And, um, and, and the response was phenomenal. We actually had people coming over from Paris photo and telling us that the energy that we had was amazing. 
compared to, you know, there's a sense of, 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 I don't know what you would call it, but there's this like sense of like stuffiness that goes along with like high profile <laughs> galleries, so to speak. It's a bit too formal. And a little formal. Yeah. Thank you. And, um, and so, and so I think the energy as connected to an artist oriented project is a little different. And I, and I also find that when a collector, a curator, a publisher, for example, ends up connecting with a photographer, there's a great relationship that's built there. And, and I feel like they really connect with the person behind the lens, so to speak. And I think that's important as well. Is this kind of like a, I don't know, are you kind of like an A&R rep? I mean, you think of like in music, like for in music, you have someone that's like going to these shows, they're finding talent and they're, they're bringing them up. Is it kind of like that, but you're bringing them all together for one show? Or is there, is there a comparison that you could make from maybe a different industry? Yeah, I mean, it's similar to a traditional art fair, honestly, Susan. And uh, I think, and I'll, my apologies, is it Susan or Suzanne? I always get Suzanne. confused with those. Thank Suzanne, you thank you. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I think that um, what we do is we provide a platform to for artists to be able to get their work exposed in a, in, in a more professional environment, you know, more so than, not that there's any, I have anything against like, you know the regional fairs that that exist in the in the parks and so mm -hmm. forth. But this is a very professional um, project that I've I've set up, and I wanted to do it that way because I wanted people to feel like when they're walking into a, a venue, that this is on the exact same level as a Paris photo. If you've ever been to Paris photo in Paris, you walk in the Grand Palais and it's just another world, right? It's a beautiful environment. There's a professionalism that exists in the environment. And that's what I wanted to provide for photographers. So when the collector or when the curator walked in, they they got the sense, oh, this is serious. This is not, you know, a small thing here to to, to look into. And so the platform that I've I've created and I've done now also in Paris and Milan, which we did this year again, um, is that kind of platform. So I, I call it a platform because it's a jumping off point for artists to be able to connect with a potential, a collector, a publisher, a gallery that may want to represent them. Um, and, and so it, to me, it's, it's a way to get their work out there. And, and I often talk to photographers when I do portfolio reviews or when I mentor them and I go, do you want the work to sit in a garage where nobody sees it? Or do you want to get the work out there and have somebody look at it? Hmm, let yes. me think about that. Yes, Let's and see garage or get it out there it's tricky do you think that it can be done online like i can imagine walking to the grand palais in paris which by the way i'm going to in november i'm very excited about um but i can imagine going to one of those great venues and you have that excitement and the professionalism and it and it is ascribed to the pictures in the in the gallery can it be created online can you do that yeah, I think it's a different kind of experience online, right? Just like everything is. And I, I think, look, the pandemic has shifted a lot of what we think about with regards to commerce and sales and, and exposure and so forth. The the thing that we all, I think, realized during the, 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 the close down that we had over the last couple of years is that, um, you know, we are we have ways now of connecting with an audience, not just locally, but also all throughout the world. And I, and, and now I, I think what you're seeing is this um, ability for most art fairs and a lot of galleries now 
that are producing um, uh, uh, experiences online that are kind of in unison with the experiences that they have in the real life experience. Because when you think about it, whether you're in Miami, Los Angeles, San Francisco, wherever you may be, Santa Fe, um, you the only time you get to see a particular show is if you actually live in that area. You know, mm -hmm. you're in like a 10 to 20 mile radius or a 50 mile radius. Unless you're a true collector and you have the ability to fly all over the world and collect, that's mm -hmm. a very few, uh, you know, a small audience. And so, but the majority of the people that come to these shows are people that are local. And mm -hmm. so what the virtual editions do is they provide the ability to connect with the global audience. And when we, when I've done these shows, I've also done gallery-based shows virtually as well the last couple of years. And what I find is that we're able to connect with people all over the world. We have people that connect with us in Australia. They'll come from Europe, you know, wherever they may be. So that's the ability of the virtual versus the real world. So I'm not saying that um, we shouldn't be doing, you know, the real world show is just that this is more like, you know, a, a benefit of being a part of the real world show. You get to also be in the virtual edition. Do you find that the, uh, yes, I think virtual absolutely expands the reach. I mean, like mm -hmm. it can be where you maybe only have thousands of people that are coming to a real, uh, in real life event, whereas you could have millions that are attending a virtual event. But have do you find that the the level of engagement and interaction and sort of like the, maybe for you for collectors especially that they're purchasing at the same ratio as the people that are actually at the event that are sort of purchasing those pictures? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I'll, I'll know more so once the show is over. How much you know? How many sales percentage wise compared to the real world show? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that. Um, from my perspective, and, and this is something that I, when I talk with artists and I work with them, it's to me, it's not always about the sales for an artist. You know, when you're a gallery and you're doing a fair like Paris photo and you're spending thirty to hundred thousand dollars to be there, mm -hmm. you want to generate some sales, you know. But as an artist, I think look, we we do this in such a way where, we're, where it's very affordable for our artists to be a part of what we're doing virtually, um, as opposed to when we do a show, say in Paris or Milan or even in Los Angeles. You know, it yeah. costs a few thousand dollars to participate. Um, whereas for the virtual shows, that it's 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 a very small fee that we charge to kind of cover our cost to support what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And so I tell artists, look. Even if you don't get any sales, if you can make some connections, if you can, if somebody sees you and connects with yeah. you, whether it's a gallery, whether it's a another art fair, or whether it's it's a curator who wants to, you know, include you in a in a virtual in a I'm sorry in a in a group show, um, in the real weird. world, for example. Yeah. So it's a win win on both fronts. It's not just about when you're an artist. It's more about getting the work out and mm -hmm. connecting with your right audience and building your audience over a period of time. And so as you as the curator, how do you decide? Because I think it's it's sort of a balance, right? Like you want to make sure that what you're what you're what you are curating is um is sort of uh is not overwhelming and can be can be seen and everyone is is able to sort of navigate to what they want, but you also want to be able to showcase obviously as many, you know, talents that you believe in as possible. Where do you draw the line as a curator on on saying, okay, you're making the cut or you're not making the cut for this show? I think it, it comes down to a couple of factors. One of them is the quality of the work. The other factor is is the diversity in the work, you know, because mm -hmm. we want to showcase a wide range of photography, not just necessarily the traditional. And I think that's where we differ from, say, a Paris photo fair 
is that when you go to Paris Photo, a lot of the work that you see there is classic work. It's similar work. It's it's like, you know, a lot of black and white, a lot of things like that. What we're providing is more of a contemporary skew to what we're showcasing, where a lot of the there's a there are quite a few photographers that we're showcasing that are taking risks that would not normally be have the ability to be in a Paris photo because they may not want to take the risk to show that work for whatever the the reason is, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So um, so as far as how many people we choose, honestly, it's we could have had hundreds in the show. But I wanted to kind of just for this edition, because it, it was our first time doing this virtually, um, I wanted to showcase a good group of artists and a, and a very diverse array of work. Mm -hmm. mm. And you've called Los Angeles the nexus of the photographic art form. I'm curious why you think that, why you feel that way. I think, I, I think it's also because it's connected to the entertainment industry here. And, mm. and, and there is there is a crossover between not just photography but film video performance and mm -hmm. entertainment and mm -hmm. and i think that that is the reason why i kind of use that terminology because you know th there there is there is a cross between the two there's a convergence there that occurs um that comes out of and and i also think that in los angeles you know not that they don't do so in other parts of the world but you know there are quite a lot of people that do take risks here and and they come here for that reason because they feel comfortable in the environment where you can take a risk here and somebody may want to see what you have to offer. Interesting. I mean, I, I certainly resonate with this idea about um, taking the chances with the using the virtual, using the internet to diminish the risk that gives new opportunities. I mean, I'm thinking of course of the SFW workshops I was giving. I mean, they were unusual and I was new to teaching when I asked them about these things. And for as long as they were doing it in person and there's only a couple classes that they're offering, they're very expensive. You need to have a pretty good audience for doing it. They're just not inclined to try new people out. But the minute the the pandemic happened and they they can give it a shot over zoom they can you know have some genetic variability try some different classes see what might resonate and they can't afford to do that and and this is another one of those opportunities that i think lots of photographers hopefully could take advantage of because if you're at that place in your career for me in particular where you know you you want to cross over you're 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 looking at this transition and it's you know, there's a lot of barriers to entry to walking into a gallery and trying to just start that process. And this is really great. This is good. It was good for me. I mean, the show isn't done, but it was it, like, I really like this process. And I, I encourage anyone who's listening, who's interested in, in taking their career up, they could be beginners or they could be advanced. I, I noticed that Doug Minue is in the, in the, the body of photographers and Suzanne, you remember Doug and like, it's, he's awesome. He's awesome, you know. <laughs> so, um... and actually, Doug, Doug is somebody who's done our real world uh, photo independent in Los Angeles. You know, when we were doing it at Raleigh Studios, um, and we had you know people like I, I don't know if you're familiar, but Andy Summers from the Police. Mm -hmm. He's mm -hmm. another one that um, that has done photo independent. Scott Kahn, um, you know, has has done photo independent. So there are a number of celebrities that that are crossing over from. I shouldn't say celebrities, but in, in other forms of creativity mm -hmm. that are crossing over to photography. Now, you may or may not be familiar with Brian Adams, 
you know, the, the, the musician singer. from Canada, Canadi Canadian the singer, singer. <laughs> he's a phenomenal, phenomenal photographer. Wow. And um, he, he took time away from music in the last 10 years and worked for, I think it was either Vanity Fair or Vogue, one of those two. And they hired him as a photographer. And then he ended up doing this body of work. He's got two tomes that I have here in my collection of this, this work that he did where he photographed um, returned um, military from, from Afghanistan. And he did it in such a way where it respected them as people. These people had, you know, they were deformed by, by, you know, bomb blasts and, and, and machine gunfire and all this sort of thing. But he did it in such a way where he respected them as people. He dressed them up. It was a beautiful body of work. And I highly recommend people to really explore Brian's work with that kind of photography. But it goes back to what you were saying. There is this, this sensibility that from the entertainment world that people are crossing over to photography because it can be a little bit more accessible when it comes to creativity. I love that. Well, and I mean, let's talk a little bit about you. I mean, you moved to Los Angeles from Sydney uh, a couple decades ago, and you've you know, you sort of really found your 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 home uh, in, in Los Angeles as you've created this this festival. Um, I'd love to ask, like, what what got uh, your create and your creative director? Is that fair to say you have your own studio, your own company? Um, can I ask a little bit about your your creative journey from from Sydney to Los Angeles to finding this opportunity to be this kind of um, incredible curator of of new and emerging and mid uh, what was that what was the term used um, mid uh, career uh, uh, photographers? And I'm interested, by the way, because I think the two of you have a lot of interesting background things in common. So I'm dying to hear the answer because, like, you're both <laughs> you're both super creative people working with lots of creative people. And so, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but yes, absolutely. Um, okay, so when I first moved to Los Angeles, I didn't know what I was going to do. I moved here with um, a girlfriend that I had that I met in Sydney. She was American. She was a a voice teacher. Um, uh, singing voice teacher. And so mm -hmm. I was taking voice lessons at the time because at the time I was involved with some, some music stuff. And so that's how we met. And then and then oh. she was coming back here to Los Angeles and, um, and we came out, we were dating at the time, so we came out together. And then I've been here ever since. So when I first moved here, I've had a, a quite a, a diverse creative journey to get to where I am now. So I'll try to be as quick as possible. No, there's um, no need to be quick. We, we like the stories. <laughs> Um, so when I first moved here, I needed a job. So I ended up working in a recording studio in Hollywood, mm -hmm. um, ended up working with people like, uh, Frankie Valley from the four seasons and Bob Gardia, who you wrote all their big hits. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, and, and, and then I was working with, uh, Philip Bailey from Earth, Wind and Fire. And, and so I had this opportunity to work with some amazing musicians. I ended up, um, recording some music with, uh, the guitarist from Weird Al Yankovic, who, um, Jim West, who was an amazing <laughs> guitarist. And, and so, you know, my journey was, was really fun when I first moved here. And, um, and then things evolved from there. There was a very difficult time in the music industry at that time, difficult to, to generate good, good money unless you were, you know, an A-list musician, unless you were a great session musician, for example. And so I ended up um, at, at the time when I was working in the studio, I set up this this side hustle, which was um, uh, I set up a design agency, basically. And I just, out of the blue, one day I thought, I'm just going to do this. I, I taught myself how to use the Macintosh computer. And um, and then I, and I had a really good eye. I think that's what really 
helped me along the way. Yeah, and um, this is Fabric, is this correct? Or is this an agency before Fabric? It was before Fabric. At the time, it was called, you know, pardon the pun here, but it was called Mad Max. And it was based on... <laughs> And 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 you could probably uh, guess what what Max how Max was spelled. So it was yes, it was M A D M A C S, <laughs> and um and so so I utilized my design skills. I ended up you know meeting some people and and uh, going to chamber meetings and developing this business. I, I've always been an entrepreneur in one way mm -hmm. or another. Um, I, I love the idea of of creating things, and um and so from there my business really started taking off. So I ended up leaving the studio, um, unfortunately, because that was one of my loves is, is music and it still is. Um, and I went full time into really pushing my design agency. Um, so for many years, I started building that up. And then the Internet came along and um, this was in 94 now. And so I really got involved with um, with the Web at the very beginning. I ended up doing the very first Internet Expo in Los Angeles, the Convention Center in 1994, and things evolved from there. I was that that the, I was at that, by the way. I was. I, I oh, went you to, were. I did. I lived in LA and went to those things in that era. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, and so things evolved from there. I started. Um, ironically, what I ended up doing was developing these relationships with major advertising agencies like because they had no clue what to do with the web mm -hmm. so i ended up i ended up doing work with j walter thompson campbell ewald um you know all these agencies that you know you, you're probably familiar with um and and we were like their interactive agency part of their business hmm. um they would fly me to, to portland every week to do stuff for a client you know because they they wanted somebody else to do it so it was a really fun time at, at, at that point in my life. And um, and as things turned out, I ended up uh, in, in the, very, the very beginning of that um, internet time frame, I ended up meeting somebody who basically changed my course for the rest of my life, which is where I'm, where I'm at now with regards to the art world. And, um, and he was a, a painter and somebody introduced me to him. He was, he was looking for somebody to create a website for him. Mm -hmm. So I met, I met this, this guy and, um, and we, we, we ended up hitting it off and we got along really well. He ended up being my best friend um, until 10 years ago when he ended up contracting cancer and passed away. But, and, and actually the, the work behind me is, is uh, our works that he created. Mm. Oh, and so, and so because of that connection, he introduced me to the art world, you know, in a, in a sense, he was doing very well at the time and, and he just wanted to explore what the web was about. So I ended up working with him and helping him develop all his marketing materials. And that's what made me understand what artists needed to, to be able to expose their work to an audience that are looking for whatever it is you're creating. So I started developing the skill with artists on how to build their careers. Um, and, and so I kind of do that to this day now where I mentor and I coach artists and I work with them to build their careers in whatever discipline that they're in. Um, and then through that time period, I ended up meeting other people in, the, in, in, in that field, in the art world. I started meeting some people in the photography world. And then my interest started going more towards photography. My, one of my good friends is Hossein Farmani, 
who you may or may not be familiar with, who has the Lucy Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably are familiar with the Lucy Awards, yeah. So Hussein and I started doing some stuff together in the photography world. He used to have this organization called Focus on AIDS as well, which um, was an organization to raise revenues for AIDS research. So things evolved from there. Um, and at the same time, we ended up working with this gentleman who was starting this film festival in in Hollywood called the Hollywood Film Festival. And so that changed my course for a period of time there where I was helping produce, co-produce this film festival in Hollywood for about 12 years. What was the difference? Um, what and, kinds of films were in that? Was it independent, small films or like what, what made it? Yeah. Different? So for, so for the most part, it was independent, small films, uh, short films, animation, um, some features, and, but it was all pretty much independent films. Mm-hmm. Um, on, on a similar level, I would say, not on the same scale or, or level as, say, a Tribeca or Toronto Film Festival, but it was that kind of organization. Okay. Um, and and, and so I helped. And did your experience in events, because you're, what you've done previously with like the, the internet events, um, kind of help you with kind of understanding how to plan these film festivals for, you know, with your, with your friends and colleagues? Actually, it was the other way around. You know, by working on the film festival, I gained quite a lot of knowledge on how to produce really good events. Ah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 the producer of the festival, um, you could say it was a little prickly. Um, in a sense, a little, a little <laughs> challenging to work with at times. Um, but but he had this good sense about how to produce a great show. And the one great thing that he did was he ended up uh, creating this awards evening, right? So after the show, the, the show would go on for about 10 days, the, the festival. We did it initially at Paramount Studios. And then once 9-11 happened, they closed down. We ended up going to Arclight and, you know, did it over there for a number of years. Um, but on the Monday after the, the last evening of the film festival, he created this awards evening at the Beverly Hilton in, in Beverly Hills. That was like the third largest awards night behind the Academy Awards and the, and the Golden Globe Awards. Every possible celebrity was there because he would honor them because there was, there were a couple of films that were in the film festival that were from studios. So there were, there was a connection there, right? Mm. So he he created this event. So I ended up meeting all these celebrities. You know, everybody that you could imagine in Hollywood was there. The Sandra Bullocks, the Harrison Fords, you know, people of that caliber were all there that evening, either presenting or accepting awards. Russell Crowe, John Travolta. It was, it was, a, it was a really fun time period. Um, so then after all that, I ended up um, leaving uh, the festival just because of, of conflict with the way this gentleman was and how I was running it. The and I ended up yeah, a little prickly. Yeah, thank you. And then and then I started my own animation festival in Culver Studios and, and Culver City. So I evolved into doing an animation festival for a number of years. And why but, but animation? Was... Like, I'm, I'm so curious. What was the jump? Was this also just like a, a love that you had, a, a, like a, a another side hustle? Or just kind of fell in your lap for animation? It's pretty I just, different. There was some. Yeah, very different. And and but I I, I met quite a few animators um, during the course of, of the Hollywood Film Festival that I really connected with. And there was something about that community that <laughs> wasn't getting the exposure that they needed, you know. Um, and I think that's been a core thing for me, core mission from my end is to help 
artists get their work out there in one form or another. Yeah, and I so definitely and see the connection to the to the to the photo festival then, where you're also, trying to give visibility to sort of underexposed. Excuse the photography pun. And, um, and <laughs> over and over the years, the animators. This is like the heyday of animation now. Like there's tons of animation going on. So you really were at the beginning of sort of. Bring, I don't know if you brought up those guys, but there's a lot of great animators who came out of that era and who are doing films right now. So, um, oh, that and and also now because of NFTs, they're doing fantastic, right? So a lot of these animators, you know, are doing great in the in the NFT community. Um, and so, yeah, so I did that for a number of years, and then I I slowly kind of decided to to kind of halt a few things. I I decided to take a step back and 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 really take a look at what I was doing. And at the time, I really was really into art and photography. So I think this is around 2008. I actually set up a gallery on Melrose in Los Angeles. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, where um, uh, the Pacific Design Center is. And, mm -hmm. and there's, a, like a, there's like an Earth Cafe there, the original Earth Cafe in Los Angeles, a very prominent cafe restaurant in L.A. Mm -hmm. um, so I set up a, a gallery there with my friend, the, the artist that I was telling you about. Uh, as a partnership, we set up this gallery across the street from, from Earth Cafe. And we had that set up. And at the time, I had this itch to create a, a publication. So I um, was thinking about um, what I wanted to do. And I wanted to have this, this convergence of like art and design. And so I ended up creating a publication called Fabric, F-A-B-R-I-K. Mm -hmm. And I started that in 2008 up until two years ago, we had the print edition. So for 12 years, um, we had this print edition four times a year that would be uh, published in Southern California. It's a pretty well-known publication here in Southern California. All the galleries had copies of the publication. We would cover um, uh, shows, uh, exhibitions, museum exhibitions, gallery exhibitions, and also profile, once again, underrepresented artists. And because it was, it was a core mission of mine to be able to support artists. And, and then we ended up doing curating that must be enormous i mean think about the quantity of artists across me uh, across this space are you like it's it a full-time energetic thing of taking it finding content new artists every issue of this thing um that seems almost onerous it is but it, you know to be frank it's not it wasn't just me at the time either i hired people to, to help me i hired people to support uh the writing side of what we were doing and and they would and and then I hired uh this gentleman called Peter Frank who was a very prominent uh writer in southern california here he was very well known in the arts community um and and Peter was my associate editor so because of that we started getting submissions in so it wasn't that onerous so to speak to get mm. the amount of wow. people to qualify to to be in the show but um, but we ended up um, writing about some major major people in the in the community. We ended up doing the very last interview before he passed away with Julius Shulman, um, you know, in two thousand and nine, I believe it was. Um, we actually were going to press when he ended up passing away, so we had to stop the presses, so to speak, and just rehash some of the editorial for that. Um, we've done editorial on Douglas Kirkland, Roger Ballon, um, Catherine Opie, Alex Prager, uh, Joel Peter Whitkin. Uh, Andy Summers, um, <laughs> Constantine Manos, Bruce Gilden. Actually, both Constantine Manos and Bruce Gilden, who are both 
um, Magnum photographers ended up doing workshops for me uh, for Photo Independent in the past. Roger Ballen, um, we had a special exhibition of his work, a photo are, independent. Aren't all those guys know. represented by galleries? Like they seem like they would be well represented. <laughs> in fact, not. Uh, n- not oh yeah, that. they yeah. are, but 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 they still look. There, there's nothing precluding me from working with them to do special exhibitions. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know, every year for photo independent, we would highlight a special exhibition. And so one year was Andy Summers from the police. One year was Scott Kahn. One mm-hmm. year was Constantine Manos and Bruce Gilden. One year was uh, Roger Ballen. I see. And I, you know, headliners. and so every exactly. <laughs> nice. So you know, you, it's it's like it's like setting up a strip mall. You know, right. you have your anchor <laughs> store. You, you need you need a way of attracting publicity. You need Absolutely. a look. I'm just being honest with you. No, no, no. You I, know, I'm going to drop an error. You, I appreciate you need it. ways to yeah. yeah to attract attention and 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 bring the people in. Because that supports the ecosystem then. That mm-hmm. supports people coming to find the other artists that are there. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's difficult as it is getting people out, especially in a place like Los Angeles, where, you know, there's a lot to do here. Mm-hmm. So so that was, you know, the, the course that I've taken. And, um, and then a few years back, I ended up being approached by a couple of people overseas. I, I started making connections in Paris during when I was there for Paris Photo, with the director of another fair there called Photo Fever. And then I ended up doing um, a, I was I was there as a gallery at the time, um, showcasing American photographers. And then we built up this relationship to whereby they they knew what I was doing, Photo Independent. And they said, well, would you, would you like to do a version of Photo Independent in Paris? And I said, that would be fabulous. So here we are, you know, a few years later from Los Angeles doing this show in at the Carousel de Louvre. If you've ever been to the Louvre underneath, there's this big mall and there's this huge event space there where this art fair was being produced. And so we ended up doing photo independent there through that. I ended up being the director of Mia photo fair in Paris, in Milan. And, uh, and she was, she loved what I was doing to support artists. She said, would you like doing, would you like to do something like this in Milan? And I said, Hey, why not? You know, and um, and so things like that kept, you know, going. I, w- I was um, intrigued when we had the kind of the kickoff event for the virtual fair and there was a bunch of the photographers who were participating. And so a, a number of them were friends. They knew each other from Milan or from other shows. And it made me feel like they were uh, like a creative troupe that traveled around <laughs> and like they liked each other. They could work together. One was a trapeze person. One was, a, you know what I mean? It's like it had that vibe. They all had a a, a, a real fraternity kind of vibe, a family vibe. Um, and I got to say, it made me sort of, you know, fomo It's like, I want to hang with those guys. This seems cool. Let's, <laughs> let's go to Milan, you know? <laughs> well, well, I, I think, think that's I, a sign of a great group. I mean, yeah. well, well curated. <laughs> what a culture. Yeah, no, I, I think, no, 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 thank you. No, um, I, I think that those things organically happen when a number of these, because a number of these artists have done photo independent here in Los Angeles for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so a lot of them know each other because of that. Mm-hmm. And, and you do start creating this ecosystem and this group of people that like to hang out with each other, that enjoy traveling together, that enjoy then going to do things together in a different city, for example, going out to shoot together. So this, this collaboration starts to occur and, and some of the artists have worked together and, and, and then they meet other artists from other parts of the world in Milan, for example. You know, we've had people from Milan that was that were there from the, from Saudi Arabia, from 
from um, from Paris, from Italy, of course, um, from China. And so, and when you're connecting in another city together, you know, we hang out together, we go to dinners, you, the, you know, you create this bond. And I think they're lifelong bonds that potentially could support your career in other ways, because those artists could bring you into something at some point in the future mm -hmm. that you may not have had access to in the past, you know? Um, and the fact that we're, we're in a different country means we have the support of say the local, um, American consulate, for example, which came to the show uh, in Milan, and they ended up buying work from from the mm -hmm. artists there. So you know, it's like you start seeing this development of careers, but it takes time, it takes consistency, it takes effort. And I think that's one of the things I try to to encourage artists to do is don't always look at the financial side of it. Yes, it's important. It's great if you can make a sale, but if you can make these connections, that could be a lifelong reward for you that you wouldn't normally get if you just doing something locally all the time, you know? I have a question. What is it for you? You've mentioned earlier that, you know, you love music and that you, you know, you obviously have a, have a great eye for talent, but what is, what is your creative outlet? Or, or do you feel like your creative outlet is actually making these connections and kind of building this, this web of like uh, a talent network, if you will? Yeah, no, I, I love seeing artists, get to places in their careers that they wouldn't have got to if if it wasn't not that it just wasn't for me but mm -hmm. if, if if it wasn't for some guidance that i provided them you know and it, i enjoy yeah. that seeing that there, there's there's there are definitely some artists that i've been working with for many years now we had this I, i've been working with this artist um jesse cheney for the last i think for the last 10 years from uh, initially we met during the initial photo independent and I was following her career and then she asked for my advice and I've been kind of mentoring her over the last 10 years in her career to the point now where she's had this she had this solo show in Milan at this art fair that we did separate from photo independent yeah that I I collaborated with um for her to create this special exhibition um viewing work through these theater scrims in a way that hasn't really been done before. And mm -hmm. I wanted to create something because it, it conveyed a message based on the body of work that she created. You know, the works that she created was were, were works based on abandoned spaces throughout the United States and other parts of the world. And so I created this environment that made you feel uncomfortable as you walked through it, you know, so you <laughs> kind of get a sense of what those places feel like when you're actually there trying to even take a photograph. Because there, there have been times where she's felt uncomfortable being there alone or with the husband or whatever the case is, but nobody else around. But there's this eeriness that goes along with photographing certain spaces that you and probably have experienced yourself, you know. Oh, uh, and also that you can't actually take a photo of these photos because it's, it effectively disappears, which these empty spaces are ephemeral. Like they, mm -hmm. they will disappear. I, that's really beautiful. Uh, well, I'd love to see photos of that, actually, if, you're, if, you're able, if there are any photos that you can share of that exhibition or what you created, because we'll definitely put that in the show notes. That sounds beautiful. It sounds. Go ahead, Ruben. It, and well, I mean, it's an interesting segue to uh, another project I was reading about that you had done or, or are doing this art virtually thing, which sounds like a an online 3D space. Is that am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. So uh, when the pandemic happened, um you know, I had all this time in my hands because I couldn't do anything. I had, I had, I had actually a gallery in Culver City uh, <clears> during <throat> when the pandemic first hit, and so we couldn't do anything in the gallery because nobody could go out, right? Theoretically, <laughs> I mean, you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I had this empty space, and then I thought, well, 
I'm not going to be able to do much with this space. So I was here in my loft downtown um, where I'm in Los Angeles and, and had all this time in my hands. So I thought, well, what can I do to support artists? So I thought to myself, why don't I create these environments that allow artists to showcase their art in a 3D virtual world? Um, and so that's what I ended up creating. You know, there's a lot of software out there that helps you do this these days. And so I created a business model. Can I ask what software you're using? It's this company from Germany called Kunstmatrix. Okay. Um, and, and so they have created these 3D virtual galleries. And so I ended up working with a number of artists to do 3D virtual shows. So I, I, made, I ended up making it into a, a small business where, you know, we support um, artists showcasing their work in a 3D environment. So it's sort of like having a solo show in your own gallery that's yeah. up 24-7. Is it and, like and, the and metaverse? The thing, is it metaverse connected? Is it like... It's not it's not necessarily metaverse connected right now, but eventually it will be. Uh-huh. I think you'll find that that is a transition that will be a normal transition that will occur. Um, but it's more of a, a 3D environment. And, mm-hmm. and you, I'm sure you've seen a lot of these things of late. Look, the, this hybrid model is not going to go away. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I feel like we're, we're, it, it's a shame that, you know, we didn't think about it earlier, where we could support showcasing art in such a way and having people from all over the world see what we're doing as opposed to just the people in a 10 to 20 mile radius seeing what we're doing for mm-hmm. an exhibition. So you're seeing, you know, blue chip galleries now, Hauser and Worth, Gagosian, Art Basel, you name the art fairs, they're all doing hybrid models now of not just their physical shows, but they're, they're doing them virtually as well because they know that they could, you know, get other audiences to come and visit. I know we don't have a, a ton of time and I, I want to kind of stay focused on the time, but you mentioned NFTs before and I, I don't want to totally go down that rabbit hole, but are you bullish on this? Do you think this is a, an important technology for photographers to explore? Do you think it's over overrated, over, you know, pimped at this point? Or do you think that, I mean, it definitely solves some problems for, for, for photographers, particularly the secondary market type stuff, but is it mature enough? Like, how do you think about this? Yeah, I'm pretty bullish on NFTs, honestly. Um, to me, it reminds me of that initial wave of the internet in 1994. Um, I think that NFTs are going to be huge moving forward. Um, so much so that I'm doing an NFT conference in January next year in Los Angeles. Hmm. Um, and we're going to, it's going to be in Hollywood and we're going to be involving studios, filmmakers, musicians, photographers all forms of art and creativity. Um, I'm doing an NFT webinar for the Los Angeles Center of Photography in December. So I'm pretty bullish on it. I I don't want to get too, just because it will take time to kind of go through all the machinations, but Mm -hmm. the essence of an NFT is basically, it's a business model. Mm -hmm. If you can put, if you can wrap your head around that, I think that's important to understand because it's going to permeate through all kinds of businesses. People will be buying real estate with NFTs, you know, insurance, there'll be memberships with NFTs because you'll be able to offer things that you wouldn't normally be able to offer um, in a traditional business model. And for photographers or, or artists in general, the essence of royalty payments is important. The essence of building an audience around your community is important. And there are ways to do that with NFTs where you can actually start building an audience, providing value to them on an ongoing basis. And then then in return, 
they will help you build your career as well. So there, there are definitely ways of utilizing NFTs moving forward. And I'm, I am really excited about that technology. We are seeing this hybridization of like what you can get in the real world that brings that kind of is connected to NFTs. I mean, whether it's Fly Fish Club, which is like the one of the first sort of members only uh, NFT membership, like dinner clubs, if mm -hmm. you will. Yep. Um, but we're also seeing NFTs actually given away at these real events so that you have to be there to get that piece that you can kind of becomes this element of ownership or almost like a badge. Um, there's, I actually am also quite interested in sort of seeing where it goes. It does, it's still um, a little bit like the wild, wild west, but as we're figuring it out, I think that there's a ton of power um, in, in what this can do really to, you know, for the artists. Seen, the creators that are making it. And I've seen a, at least one like classic historic photographer, their entire body of work was put out as NFTs for free just to get those out and because they participate in the secondary market. And so it's a strategic, it's a st strategic idea that lets people own that that might not be able to own these classic works of photography. You have an NFT for for some of them and uh, fascinating. So I'm watching that. I'm not sure how it's going to go, but it's, it's really an interesting space. Well, and I just have one question as a follow-up, which I love asking all of my friends that are in uh, in this sort of niche part of experience and art. But like, so what do you see, Chris, people really doing with these NFTs? Like, do you hang um, them on your wall in the metaverse? Do you uh, keep them in your uh, passport? You have a what, digital what screen you, on your wall that right, updates what, what the things see, or, yeah. Are you most excited about So, it? So... You're, are you, you're familiar with the Board Yacht 8 Club, uh, Board Yacht 8 Club, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you so, maybe could tell our audience? Oh, I don't know if yes. everyone is. I feel like this is fairly niche yeah. knowledge. We can have a picture yeah. of the so, Board Ape. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there's it, it, it's a um, a project that came out last year that sold 10,000 units, and they sold initially for a few hundred dollars, and now each one is worth over a quarter of a million dollars, right? <laughs> That aside, so that is that is basically um, art that was sold. But the smart thing that they did, and I think this is something to consider as photographers, and it goes back to what you were saying earlier, Michael, is that these they they allow you and they give you full intellectual property rights on the work itself, so people can utilize these images to do whatever they want with them. They could sell them. They could create merchandise. They could. You know, the restaurants have been created out of one. Um, there, there's all this stuff that you can do to generate revenues from that intellectual property that you purchased right? and as so, an NFT. You purchased the NFT, exactly. and now you have rights, which I don't have as a photographer. I own an Ansel Adams print, but I don't get to just put it on a box of Wheaties. You know, I just own the print. And you're saying if I had the right. NFT of that, I might have some rights associated with doing something fun with it, putting on a bag or something. Oh, interesting. Correct. So going back to your analogy with the other photographer that you just told me about that that gave away all the photographs, mm -hmm. well, he could do the exact, or you could do the exact same thing. You can set aside a certain amount of images, give them away to an audience, which is happening now on the NFT marketplaces with other art forms, providing you know something in the smart contract that then says, Anytime that anything happens with this, I get a royalty out of it, right? And it's all done automatically on the on the blockchain. 
And so that to me is a great benefit for photographers and, and, and not being shy. Cause in the past photographers were like, I'm not going to give away my, my intellectual property. It's like this yeah. big, you know, high horse thing. And it's like, you know, things have changed now. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think if you do it right and if you set up the right business model for yourself, um, then you could actually benefit from all this free stuff that you're handing out in the long run. Yes. Not all of it's going to make money. But one of those things could make you a fortune. And mm. that's what these these people are, are banking on, you know? Also, the idea of exposure. Uh, I mean, I think what you've said earlier is just like getting getting it out there and being able to say maybe that is the next connection that mm-hmm. leads you to whatever. I actually have one kind of question before we wrap it up. Um, I think you're you are uniquely poised with your background in music and understand and obviously this interest in in visual medium um, and obviously the direction of where it's going with NFTs. But this idea of like collaboration and these unique collaborations, uh, who would be if you if you could pick one artist and one musical artist and one uh, photographer that is or isn't part of your show currently that you would love to see collaborate? Wow. Um, <laughs> gosh, that's a tough one. Let me think about this for a quick sec. Um, I mean, I'm I, I'm into pop music, so I love 80s pop music. I mean, I would love for, you know, it could be somebody like a Sting collaborate with... Um, I'm, li- I'm uh, liking it so far. Keep going, keep going. Uh, <laughs> Let's let's say somebody like an Elliot Irwitt, for example, or you know, Ooh. somebody of that caliber that mm. that they could do something together that would be kind of interesting, you know? Interesting. Love it. Gauntlet throne. Bring it on. <laughs> Sting, <laughs> if you're listening, please get in touch with Chris. And uh Mr. Irwitt, you know how to reach us. Okay. Um, well, I think we should wrap it up. This is awesome. I'm really glad you've made some time. I know we have a I'm not going to have the, this show out in time for people to know to come to our event this afternoon um, in Los Angeles, the virtual gathering of photographers. But please, everyone, go check out the Photo Independent Virtual Show, um, promoting my own stuff, but all of the photographers there as well. And uh, and and connect up with Chris, because if you are a photographer, this is a really a, a, a great avenue for starting to get your work out to the public. As well. And and Chris, if there's anything else that you want to promote, I know that you'd mentioned um, what you're doing with the LACP, the Los Angeles Center of Photography. You're hosting that webinar about NFTs. I believe that's on December 10th. Um, That information can be on the lackphoto.org site. Is there anything else that you'd like to uh, bring up and share with our audience so they can find out more about you and what you do? Uh, Oh, thank you. And thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate this. I, uh, look, if anything, for me, it's important to support the photographers that we have showcasing at Photo Independent, it, more so than myself. It's not about me. It's about them. If if you have the time and you can go and, and review their work at photoindependent.com, you know, photoindependent.com, there's a link there to the virtual show. You know, have a look at the work. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at some of the work that we have on there really good photography, a diverse array of photography. Um, you can reach me at chris at photoindependent.com. That's the easiest way. But more so than anything else, please support the photographers. Have a look at their work. We will have another uh, virtual reception to close the, the art fair next week. You'll If you sign up um, on our website, you'll you'll hear about the, the next one. But uh, so, yeah, so um, thank you so much for, for your time. Awesome. Absolutely.
Suzanne? Well, I will wrap it up. <laughs> um, our show is recorded and produced in Santa Fe and San Francisco. Go to neomodern.com slash podcast to get show notes, see photos, and post comments. Don't, for- don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening now. And please leave reviews and ratings, especially if you like us. We get new listeners from you telling your friends and spreading the word. If you know someone who might get something from us, please send them a link. Thanks to Mitchell Foreman for our theme music. Chris Davies, thank you for coming today. And all of you for hanging out with us. We appreciate your attention and hope we've given you some things to think about. Until next time.